Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Not too many mornings ago, a friend of mine called me that was in town. Said he knew out here on 42 where there's the best place in the world to get a ham breakfast. And so he said, I'll be by and pick you up. I said, I'll be waiting at the door for you. And we went out to that beautiful place. I'm quite sure some of you have been out there. And it was just a beautiful situation. The ham was delicious. A great big piece of ham, hot biscuits, red-eye gravy. And honey, I think I'll just have a prayer and we'll all take off and go out there. <laughs> Sitting in that beautiful place and those surroundings, it, it was hard for me to believe. We began to talk about the farm situation. It was hard for me to sit in that place and make any connection between what we were doing there and the beauty of the surroundings and that plush uh, dining room. Uh, to see any connection between what we were doing and, and the farm situation was so far removed from it in this technological society that we're in where we have all of this technology and all of this frozen, dehydrated, pasteurized and stuff we have. It's easy for us to come to a place to where we don't even think about the farm situation. And yet when we stop to think about it, we know that we're still just as much connected with the farm in a sense of our food to produce as we were or ever have been. If the farmers would all go on a strike for a while, we would quickly find out how we are tied to the farm. But we don't stop to think about that. Or maybe you do, I don't. I make a little connection with where I eat today and, and think about in terms of the farmer and, and the farm situation. And you know, we come to our situation and our relation with God that way especially we as a church and as the body of Christ and as Christian. Seldom do we ever stop to think about where we really are connected and where our roots really are. And that's not bad because Paul tells us that we're supposed to go on to the weightier things of life and to the meaty things and forget those things, the rudiments of our salvation. But every once in a while, I think, and Paul would agree to it, it's good for us to remind ourselves who we are what we are and where we got started and what this is all about and we may back there years ago somewhere have committed ourselves to Lord Jesus Christ and, and that commitment and those steps that we took to align our life with the Lord Jesus Christ and make him our Savior and our Lord is important and we ought not to forget it now if I could label what I have to say to you this morning you have the last shot and I know that sounds like I've been watching basketball too much here lately and if you'd ask my wife she'd tell you that I have <laughs> I'm quite sure uh, but you know uh, Berkman nearly pulled it out for us that was the most amazing thing that I've ever seen L do but they ran out of steam but it was a great game anyway but what I have to say to you I've got two things to say to you to call your attention to and then I want to ask you a question now wherever you might turn within the scriptures whether it be the Old Testament or the New Testament it comes out so beautifully in the scripture that Brother Dave read to us this morning. It came from the heart of David. 
no wonder that God loved this man and said in the New Testament there's one who was thinking about him that God referred to David as a man after his own heart uh, David never forgot where he was from and what uh, started him to be the great and, and famous person that he was he knew where his soul was hooked and he knew most of all that he was a sinner well, you see, beloved, we're not going to get anywhere in this world and align our life with Lord Jesus Christ until we come to the place that we know that we're a sinner. Now, the reason that you're where you are in your Christian faith, whether you've been living one day for the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, whether you've been living 40 years for Him, one day you came to the place where you were conscious of the fact that you were a sinner. Now, I can tell you some tragic things in relation to that, and I can tell you some real interesting things, and, I'm, and some funny things. I'm thinking about a man right now, having been mine. And I remember this man. His wife started coming to church and he was just married to a lovely lady. But he was a character. Now, folk, uh, when I tell you things like this, if it's something like this, I have the man's permission to tell it. I never betray a confidence. If it is, it's uh, something that's through ignorance that I do it. I usually use illustrations that people who have been liberated from this world or I have their permission. But this is a character you, you couldn't help but love him, but uh, he was a sinner. And he knew he was a sinner. One night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, he called me on the telephone. And he says, Preacher, I can't stand it anymore. I just can't stand it anymore. Well, I thought, first of all, real quickly, his wife had thrown him out, to tell you God's honest truth. <laughs> but, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning is an awful time to get religion. It's just an awful time. Well, it is for the preacher. Well, anyway, he called me, and what he was really saying, he says, I can't stand it anymore. He says, I'm finished with my whole life. It's done. He says, something has happened to me tonight. And, and he says, I, I want to talk to you about it. Well, we talked about it. The thing was, he was gloriously saved. He tried to get along as a sinner, and he knew that he was a sinner. And, and somehow, between sundown and 2 o'clock in the morning, he settled it all with the Lord Jesus Christ. But he was conscious of the fact that he was a sinner. Now, folk, if it be anyone here this morning, that you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, the first thing you come to is a consciousness of the fact that you're a sinner. I'm separated from God. I'm separated from God. Isaiah tells us, the 53rd chapter and the 6th verse tells us, like we all like sheep have gone astray. Paul tells us in the book of Romans that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And the beloved disciple John tells us in one of his letters, he says, if we say that we are without sin... That we're alarmed, the truth's not within us. And I would be inclined to agree with him 110%. By nature, we are sinners. David said we were born in sin. I was conceived in sin. And we are sinners because of our nature being uh, sinful. Now, you're not a sinner because you sin. That doesn't make you a sinner. My, with uh, some people not too long ago, and they was looking at a beautiful horse that had been bought, and... There was a little fellow with about eight years of age, and he was interested in this beautiful animal, and the fellow told him, as we was talking about it, said, this is a racehorse. The little fellow spoke up and said, well, are you going to race him? He said, no. He says, I'm not going to race him. Well, how can he be a racehorse then? Well, he's a racehorse whether the man races him or not. You see, if it were possible for you to be without some known sin, you are still a sinner. At the very core of your being by nature, you're a sinner. Now, it's interesting to note how we try to handle some of this business of being a sinner and what we do about it. It's often been said to us there for a long while, we thought all we had to do was cure this world of its sinful condition, 
see that everyone was fed and clothed and properly housed and their needs taken care of, and then that would take care of the situation. Well, it won't take care of the situation. Some of the best fed and the best dressed and the richest people in the world are still the meanest people in the world. And they're still sinners. And we have thought that if we could stop doing some things that we've been doing that are bad and mean, and we ought to stop doing them, but that would straighten us up and we wouldn't be a sinner anymore. Well, beloved, in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul tells us there that everybody ought to read that second chapter of the letter to the Galatians. Along about the 16th verse, Paul is saying a mouthful when he says, Now look, folk, that the, the law is good, but keeping the law is not going to deliver your soul from sin. As if to say you can keep the law, and he was thinking in terms of the Ten Commandments plus a few more, that you can keep it perfectly. But he says in effect that if the law could deliver you as God wants you delivered, you pray tell me why the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world and died for your sins. The cross is meaningless. God made a mistake then. If the law could deliver you, he's saying in effect that it cannot deliver you. There's only one that can deliver you and one alone. Not the law, not your own hand, not the doing of your own life. But the Lord Jesus Christ, there is only one. There is only one. Man's heart, at its very sinful core, can only be changed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're in the days of Lent. And we think about the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. And beloved, that's exactly what he was taking care of. He was trying to do something about your sins and my sins. He was not only trying it, he did it. Well, let me quickly say, well, we know this. We're, we're sinners, we, we know that. And we're only sinners saved by grace. The only difference between us and the sinful man out there has never recognized his condition, that, that you're saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You recognize your undone condition and you've done something about it. Now, quickly, let me say to you the second thing that's written on every page, in every word, between every line, within the, both the Old and the New Testament is this absolute fact. If I know I'm a sinner, I know just as well in the same absolute, unmistakable way that God loves you and me. I know that. The very fact that He has called you into creation. That was done out of the greatness of the love of God. He wanted you. He wanted a person like you. He wanted your personality. He wanted your soul. He wanted you to be in this world. You're not here by chance. You're not here by some freak accident of nature. You're a created soul housed in a physical body. And God wanted that soul into the world. It wouldn't be here. He wanted you deliberately, premeditated. You were planned just as much as this beautiful facility has been planned. And He loved you. Look at the place that he gave to you and me. He gave to man in his creation. The very top of the situation. Just a little lower than the angels. In the place of all creation, he has given to you the most honorable, the most respectable place in all of this. And then on top of that, he has given to you his son, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. Gave to you his son to do something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. Now what he did, oh, he came into this world, suffered, humiliated, disgraced, dignity taken away from him, 
I was talking to a man not too long ago, some years ago, you know, in the adult quarterly, I believe it was, they had some modern artist, I've even forgotten the situation, but had the figure of the Lord Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, and he was more nude than anything else, and the man objected to it, and I think he had a point to make, but the thing that he went on uh, to think, though, that the Lord Jesus Christ was not crucified that way. Well, he was crucified that way. The Lord Jesus Christ was stripped of all of his dignity as a person, as a human being. When they nailed him to the cross, they had stripped him of all of his clothing. One of the greatest indignities can happen to anyone is for this to be done. And they're suspended upon a cross between heaven and between the earth, as if to say he's neither fit for either of them. Oh, how he suffered. Suffered. Died. How can anyone look at the cross? How can any person look at the cross without concluding that somewhere, somehow, someway, someone loves you? I think about the little girl that was in college and she was so distressed and in fact, it just threw her. Her father died. Uh, died suddenly with a heart attack. And it just threw her. Almost mentally was more than she could take. And it was for a little while until she got a hold of herself. And the reason it, it, it shocked her so was because that when she went to college, her father t- had taken a second job. And he was working at this second job in order that he might have enough money for his daughter to go to college. And while working at that second job, he had a heart attack suddenly and died. And she felt that it was because of her that her father had had this heart attack and died. Oh, she never questioned in a pit of her soul whether or not her father loved her. She knew that he loved her. Almost too much to the place that nearly flipped her out. Well, what do you think about the cross? Man is a sinner. And God loves us enough to redeem us. Now, beloved, in closing, and I say it quickly. Now, the question, what are you going to do about it? Or what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? The last shot is up to you. Yes, we may be sinners. But it's an absolute fact, too, that Jesus died for us to reveal to us the greatness of the love of God. It's here for you, for me, and for everyone. Not just two or three of us. For everyone. Any man or woman, boy or girl that will hear and look to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Christ has done. Now what are you going to do about this love? What are you going to do about your condition? What are you going to do about the love of God that has been revealed to us so beautifully through the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we as Methodists, we say we're going to accept it and go on to perfection. I've never understood what that perfection was, but it sounds wonderful. and I'm going to try to do it, whatever it is. I'm going to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and just get on with the business of living each day. I think about the young man that was tied up in such a way. He said, life is for the birds. He says, it's the pits, really. He says, one monotonous day after the other is more than I can stand. You know, the greatest number of people who commit suicide are under the age of 18 years of age and dropping down even to seven and eight-year-olds. Life is just for the birds, not for human beings. And then one day, one morning on the way to work, this young man was gloriously saved, like this man at 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, if you're going to be saved, I think it'd be a good time to do it on the way to work. It's a good thing to do, you know. But he became conscious of the fact 
He became aware of the fact that he did belong and could belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he became aware of the fact and had the emotional experience that he did belong and that within that car the Holy Spirit was with him. And then it comes to the fact, he says, it's no more this business of one monotonous day after another. He says, the telephone doesn't bother me ringing anymore. People become an object to be cared for and to be loved, to be understood and to be helped. Every day becomes a challenge to me. What is God going to do today? What privileges and opportunities is He going to give me today to work, to live and have my being? Oh, that's it. That's it. I remember a man became conscious of that about one o'clock right after his lunch. Businessman. Came by the office, I got to talk to you. Came back just to tell me that he'd experienced something in his life that he'd never experienced before. And it's the most wonderful, most fantastic thing that's ever happened to me. He couldn't tell me about it anymore than you could tell me. You know, something has gone on in his life, spiritual, it's fantastic, wonderful. And we talked a while, and all he did is communicate to me that he'd had a great spiritual experience. He said, I'm going to go home and take my wife out for dinner. <laughs> well, he went home and told his wife, now, whatever you're doing, for the evening meal, forget it. We're going to get cleaned up and we're going out for dinner. And while he was doing something else, the wife called me on the telephone. She says, preacher, did my husband come by to see you? I said, yes, ma'am, he did. She said, and she was whispered into the phone, she said, is he sick? I said, I don't think so. I think at last he's come to the place that uh, he's more alive than he's ever been and ever has been in the past. She says, has he confessed something awful to you? <laughs> I said, no. Outside of the fact that he's had an experience that's emotional, that is spiritual, and it's genuine, as far as I can tell. Well, what are you going to do about it? Something fantastic, the most wonderful thing in the world has been done. It's already been done. It's been done for you, for me, and for you. Yes, we are sinners, saved by grace. But we have the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we can build upon something starting right now that goes into eternity. And however long that is and whatever I'm talking about, what I'm talking about, that shall never die. Shall never die. Never be a break in it. You'll never be a, a time when you will not be conscious of the Lord Jesus Christ unless it'll be when you're sleeping. Conscious. Starting today. That I am under the leadership and the influence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that fantastic? And isn't that the most wonderful thing that we can think of? When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gains I count but lost, and poor contempt on all my pride. Where the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 